uh, uh, Zach to the number two spot uh, and make Joe the third. Why, why problem? Uh, Zach, Zach's been doing a great job. Um, he, he has, he's, he's been deliberate in, in his approach over the last three weeks. Um, he's been holding himself accountable with regards to how he wants to attack practice. Uh, how he's been performing in practice, going against our defense, which I think is a pretty good defense to go against, and uh, and working on all the different things that uh, we've been asking him to accomplish. Are you still confident that Mike will play this week? Yeah, we're still working as if he's he's playing this week. How much of that decision, Robert, was forced by Mike's injury? Like the timing of it was necessitated by Mike's it, injury and uncertainty. It's coincidence, more than anything. Yeah, I'm still I'm still in that same mindset, guys. With uh, with regards to Zach, he's uh, he's a very talented young man, very talented young man, and uh, um, we're in the business of developing guys. And so, obviously, I've said it before: this is Mike White's opportunity, and he's attacking the heck out of the opportunity, and he's doing a great job with it. But at the same time, we've still got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to to, to develop Zach in the way we know to a spot where we know he's capable of getting to. Okay, look, I love I love having an opportunity to study body language, eye positioning. My read on that, and I could be completely wrong. Wouldn't be the first time today that I've been completely wrong. But that's not going to stop me from sharing my opinion. My read on the way that he delivered that news about Zach Wilson now being the number two quarterback, that wasn't his decision. Somebody else made that decision. Joe Douglas or right. somebody else, maybe right. all the way up to ownership. Right. Not his decision to make Zach Wilson number two. He did have one of those, hey, he's been doing a good job, you know, the, the tell when you touch your face when you're in a moment of stress. But just the whole way he was doing it, to, the, to continue the Brock Purdy has been called to the principal's office analogy, I feel like you know, he was kinda, he's kind of forced to go out and say something he really would prefer not to say. That's how I interpreted what he had to say. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, first off, I, I mean, yeah, challenge flag. I don't buy it. It's a coincidence. Like, uh, you, uh, like BS. I, I don't buy that at all. You know, they know how that's going to look. Wait, wait, wait. We got a hurt quarterback, and we're going to still make Joe Flacco, who we could argue lost the game for us last week and we, because he was our backup, and we threw him in, and he had a three-step drop, and then he just held the ball like, hey, I got the greatest offensive line in history around me, and then got strip-sack fumbled, right? So, so they backed themselves into a corner there a little bit where – you know, I just think the optics of it, and if they made him third string, Zach Wilson, and sitting on the bench with clothes, you know, uh, with clothes and, and and stuff like that again, where it'd be like, forget it. The whole league already thinks this this marriage is about to end. Let alone, you know, th- that another look like this where you'd go, oh, it it would be over. I would think it's over. I, it's over. But they're not going to make him the backup this week. So I don't buy the coincidence thing at all. I think they know. And I, I would be, to your point, I would think that whether it's ownership or the GM, they'd go, wait, hey, guys, it would look really weird and stupid if he's not the backup this week. I mean, it, 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 no matter what our plans are for the future here, whether we want to trade him in the offseason or make him the guy, it ain't going to look right if he's not dressed again for the third week after, with the guy that's starting who's been our uh, a lifelong backup and now has a rib injury. So that to me is where, yeah, I'm not going to buy, you know, all that stuff that was said there. Yeah. Um, 
I agree with you completely. And I think it makes sense from the standpoint of trying to win games and make it to the playoffs to have Zach Wilson ready to go in the event that Mike White can't. I, now, Robert Saul. Yeah, yeah, go fine. ahead. No, go ahead. I, I just because I, I don't know. This is like I, I just don't know where this goes. I mean, I, I just I, I don't. You know, they hey, he's talented and, you know, they're trying to say he's still the future. But I mean, again, Mike White's he, he's playing three of the worst defenses in football again coming up the next three weeks. He's not going to look bad. I mean, the Lions, everybody throws the ball in the Lions. The Jaguars, everybody throws the ball in the Jaguars. The Seattle Seahawks, everybody throws the ball on the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you can do whatever you want. So that's where I just go, his stats are going to look good. There's no matter what. And it's just going to continue to build this thing up and the fans of going, Mike White's the guy, Mike White's the guy. Even though the fans don't know jack crap, they're going to say that. And they're going to do it. And it's going to put it in a situation where they're going to have to sign Mike White after the year. And they're going to have to give him money to go, "Eh, yeah, you can compete with Zach Wilson this year. And to me, that's just, it's kind of a disaster that way. If he's even still there. If he's still there. If he's still there next year. Now, um, you, you mentioned that the Jets still insist Zach Wilson is the future. Zach Wilson met with reporters yesterday, and he talked about what's gone on the past few weeks, and, and he believes he's still the future. Let's have a listen to some of what Zach Wilson had to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating, right? You would like to be out there, but, you know, like I said, you, you got to control what you can control, and right now it's, you know, how can I just do everything I can to put myself in the best position to help this organization and this team? So, um, you know, just taking it a day at a time. But the biggest thing for me mentally was, you know, finding the fun in football. You know, I love this game, and, and it definitely wasn't lost, but I think you guys felt the frustrations over some of those, those rough games. And so for me, it's, you know, I love this game. I'd I play this game for free. And so, um, you know, it's going out there and just enjoying it with the guys and every single play, just enjoying being out there and being grateful to be here and um, to be able to play football for a living. You know, it's truly an amazing, amazing job. Do you expect to play again this season? I hope so. I mean, but that's not up to me. And so, you know, like I said, it's, it's control what you can and, and having that mindset of each and every day trying to attack the day and, and get after it and uh, try and improve. Do you still feel like you're the future here, Zach? Yeah, I, I definitely believe in myself. You know, of course, I, I have all the confidence in the world, and I think that's how it should be. But, you know, you got to be able to prove that. And uh, like I said, that goes back to just attacking every single day. It's one thing to say I definitely believe in myself uh-huh. when you're asked, are you the future? Exactly. It's another thing to say, do you believe the team right. wants you to be the future? That's the follow-up there. Yeah, we know you've got faith in yourself. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. But does the do you think the team wants you? Yeah. And or do you he, think they're in the process of phasing you out? He knew what they were asking. I mean, he knew, right? I, I, that to me, yes, that was the, the, the landmark question right there. He knew what they were asking. He chose to, I have this. That tells you. He doesn't know what they think of him. Yeah. He doesn't. And uh, I don't think anybody in football really knows right now. And then just it's 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 a, it's, a, it's about as strange of a situation as I can remember. And again, that's where I just don't know where they're going to get themselves out of this and 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 be able to justify. Oh, we'd like to put him back in at some point during the year. Again, this is why I argued it was the wrong decision. He's playing all you, you're getting letting Mike White play all the worst defenses in football. This is when you can get growth from Zach Wilson. And here you are, Mike White. You put him in. To what? Oh, well, we need to win some games to go to the playoffs. Well, you, you're one and two. So, well, well, so how's that working? Hey, you, you probably would have been one and two with Zach Wilson, too. Right. And he would have had more confidence and gotten better for the future. So 
that's where I just the, the decision still is a head scratcher to me, you know, unless that they've already closed the deal on Zach Wilson and it's over. And again, that's why it looks like that. And I think that's why most people in football, you know, don't don't really see how this is going to end in a good way for for that marriage to be extended in the next year. Yeah, like, hey, Zach, here's what we're going to do. We're going to this is what we're going to tell everybody. And this is going to be the best way for us to get you into a spot next year where you can go forward with your career, minimal damage to your reputation. We're not saying bad things about you. We just reached a point where we've decided that we want to move on. If that's the conversation that's been had, but you're right. The whole thing is odd. The whole thing is weird. And it creates a very reasonable suspicion, if not flat out firm belief, right. that he's not going to be the guy right. next year. And you are right. You know, every time that I think of Mike White as an unrestricted free agent, I think I've got to be missing something. But he's been around long enough that after this season and his $2 million salary is earned, which is a hell of a bargain for the Jets, given what they're getting for him, he does indeed become an unrestricted free agent. They could use the franchise tag on him if they want to. But either way, he's in line to either hit the market and be paid by anyone, get a new contract from the Jets, or be franchise tagged, or even the transition tag, which rarely gets used. But maybe that would be something. It's a little bit less, and you have the opportunity to match whatever someone else may come in and offer the guy, and you just see what the market is. Nobody's going to really know for sure what the market is. But the players love him, the opponents respect him, and he's getting better and better all the time. Right. And it may just very well be they've decided this guy is yeah. better. This guy overall, all things considered, and I know that reasonable minds may differ, but the Jets are the ones that have to make this decision. Sure. They're the ones that are with the guy all the time. They've projected long-term Mike White has a better chance of getting us to where we want to be than Zach Wilson. So we, we trade Zach Wilson for a first-round pick, a second-round pick, something. I don't know. I don't know what someone would give. That, that's the next question here, Chris. Is there somebody out there that would value Zach Wilson as a first-rounder? And I think this is why they're trying to do as, as little damage Maybe. as possible right. to him in the hopes of getting one. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't think you're, you're wrong there. I think that's, you know, they're, they're trying to cover all bases. And no, they're not going to get, like, a first or second-round pick for Zach Wilson at this point. They're not. There's no way. It, it's, it's, it's damaged goods to this point, you know, or at least now it is. But, you know, again, that's where, hey, I mean, Robert Sala said it, and that's just where I think they're they're dropping the ball. I mean, the, the guy's got an incredible talent. You, you, you got to kind of see it through to a degree. Yeah, Mike White's been around for five years, six years. That's what people don't realize. You know, he, he, was, he was on the Cowboys and the practice squad in, what, 2017, 2018? And so he's been around. He's had a chance to develop and and he is a further a little further along in his development and I'm sure he can read a defense a little bit better than Zach Wilson but he's his physical abilities in no area are better than Zach Wilson and that to me is where you know you you hang in there through the moments we talked about it you hang in there yeah you lost to the the Jets right which your organization's been doing for 20 years right and Okay, but you got the Bears the next week, and nobody knows anybody on the Bears' defense, and it's a horrible defense, and they're the closest thing to tanking in football right now. You Now that's the game you stay with them to regain the confidence. But, yes, yeah, something's wrong, and you're right, Mike, and it's it doesn't – it all looks wrong. It doesn't look like the players like them. Like I've said, I think they've let Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore talk way too much. You would never hear, like, you know – uh, other teams let their young receivers to hold the mic so much as they do there with the Jets. And I think it's all just led to this bad feel around Zach Wilson that I think they have them to blame more than anything. Mike White, 
native of Pembroke Pines, Florida, went to South Florida 2013-2014, finished at Western Kentucky, was a fifth-round pick of the Cowboys in 2018, has been with the Jets since 2019. He was the Conference USA Newcomer of the Year in 2016, second-team All-CUSA in 2017. Hey, he's got some some stuff. Yeah, I mean, he could play. He's he's doing a great job. Over under Mike White's height, 6'3", over under. Um, I think he's, I've met Mike White. I'm going to say he's barely over six, three. He's six, five. According to, according to this, if he, this, so he's your height. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I have met him. I, I don't, you know, for some reason it doesn't jump out to me that he was my height, but yeah, yeah. I didn't feel like, oh, wow, this was a small quarterback or anything like that. Certainly he's got long arms. He seems like he's got big hands. I mean, he throws a really pretty ball. You know, he is a decent athlete. You know, understands where to go with the ball. He can make every throw in the football field. He's got a little bit of a long delivery. It's what led to him getting crushed a few times last week where it's so long in delivery, it leaves his midsection open so long to where he couldn't get out of harm's way. But, yeah, I mean, he's doing a great job. And that's where I'd, I don't want to be mistaken here for trying – like, I'm not trying to say negative about him at all. It's just more about the direction of the Jets. They drafted a quarterback in number two who's got talent, and I don't understand that. I don't want to be looked at as I'm talking negative about Mike White. He's, he's done a lot of good stuff, and I respect his game and what he's doing too. No, you're just trying to prop up your guy, Zach Wilson. That's all you're trying well, to Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not, but Mike, you know me. I don't, I don't like play that, you know. Yeah, he's, know. he's, but I, I'm always honest about, you know, my evaluations and, and, and anything that way. I'm like, like we always say, I'd rather be right than anything. And, you know, again, I, I, I know it wasn't pretty. Um, I'm not trying to prop it up. I'm trying to just make logic of a situation that I, is not logical right now. And that's where. No, you're right. You know, you, you, you regard. Zach Wilson is a guy that's got a high degree of natural talent and something has thrown it all off kilter and we aren't privy to what exactly, exactly. it was that has right. happened right. that has caused the Jets to sour on him so badly that has caused the locker room to abandon him and take to Mike White that has caused the fan base to develop as you said earlier this week a hatred of him irrational hatred of him yeah. and flock to Mike White yeah. it really is a strange dynamic all right uh We'll see what happens, though. Mike White or Zach Wilson against the Detroit Lions. And look, the Lions went to MetLife Stadium a few weeks back and won 31-18 over the New York Giants. But this Jets team is a little bit better yes. than the Giants. Yes. And this Jets team is is feeling the heat to try to get a win, to try to stay in the playoff conversation. This is not going to be easy. And even though the weather, when I last checked, was clear and sunny, it's still cold. Oh, it's cold and up here right now. Jared, we've seen Jared Goff in the cold before. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. We, we'll, so I hear you. This, this, this could be a way for the Jets to turn things around regardless of who the quarterback is. All right. We know who the quarterbacks will be on Saturday night. Bills, Dolphins, Western New York. Take Woo! that, Miami, with your sunshine directly beating down on the visiting team in September. I do love it. They did it to the the Bills. Yeah, have turned. (laughs) Right. Now it's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. And here's Sean McDermott and obviously McDermott's coach of the Bills, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, quarterback of the Dolphins, talking about the forecast for snow falling from the heavens on Saturday night in Buffalo. Here they are. I mean, they're going to be in the same conditions we're in. Um... You know, it's not like every day we're out playing in 
six inches of snow around here, you know, so I think perceptually people get this perception of that we go out and practice in the snow every day. Um, but, um, you know, we're just, like I said, working on being focused and, and uh, improving as a team. Have you seen snow before? Yeah, it snowed uh, in Alabama my first year. Yeah. So it snows in Alabama, guys. <laughs> I know. I mean, people don't know that. You know, there's some people that just think, oh, you know, it just gets cold in Alabama. It, it does snow. He also said he went and worked out with his one, brother. It snowed one time season. when he was there. Yeah. It snows yeah. in Alabama. <laughs> he, he said he went and worked out and threw with his brother out in the snow in Maryland last year, and he kind of liked how it felt throwing the snow. It reminded me of Patrick Mahomes when he had his first snow moment that game we were at yeah. in Kansas City in the playoffs after the 2018 season, I believe it was. Yeah, it was after Mahomes' first year as a starter, and it ended up being Andrew Luck's final game ever in the NFL. But. Yeah. But Mahomes realizing he liked the feel of the ball where it had some of that wetness on it. It gets a little bit of snowflakes hitting Exactly. Right. Not too wet, but just a little bit. Just a little stick. It's like licking your hand. You know how you see quarterbacks do that. It just gives you a little bit to go, ooh, man, the ball feels sticky. Uh, You're right, Mike. There's definitely that. But but we'll see. And and look, I'm looking at it right now. The forecast is down to two to four inches, and it should be done by the time the game even begins. But with that lake effect snow, you never really know (laughs) what it's going to do when it's going to take a turn, there is the possibility, there is the potential that it ends up. Now, the, the, the forecast in our sheets is three to six inches of snow and 26 degrees. But, but again, it's, it, it, who knows? Who knows? But they, and, and I don't buy the Sean McDermott side of it. The Bills have a reputation. They have it baked in. That's what they yeah. do. That's part of their home field advantage. Playing those games in the elements in December and January is part of what separates the Bills from the teams that have to come up there and play in those elements who aren't used to it. And, you know, the the Dolphins are trying to just act like we ignore it. And that, that was Mike McDaniel's approach. Like, I don't even want to know about it. I don't want to think about it. But don't you have to at least know what the weather's going to be so you can plan your strategies accordingly, especially offensively? I, I think that he's being a little too obstinate in yeah, his desire right. to ignore the elements. I think back to Tony Dungy, and even though this is a different type of elements – Tony Dungy explaining before Super Bowl 41 in Miami, Peyton Manning kept saying to him, it's going to rain. We need to practice with wet footballs. And Dungy's like, yeah, well, here's how it goes in Miami. It'll rain a little bit, and then it'll stop, and it'll be fine. And Peyton Manning kept going to him saying, no, coach, it's going to rain. Coach, it's going to rain. It's going to rain the whole game. It's going to rain the whole game. And finally he said, all right, let's go practice with wet footballs, and they were ready. Yeah. So I think that's just an example of what you need to – you just you, – you have to understand. It's not – we're not afraid of it, but we have to understand it because it may affect our planning. And, and I, I would suspect that Mike McDaniel is probably doing so. that. Right. It's just his public – his public face is – I don't care. Right. That's the vibe he's trying to create because he wants his players to not That's care. right. He's trying to not let his team and let it take the, take a hold of them and become the story of the game, right? Look at him. I, Look at him. He's singing along with the rap song and talking crap to the players and going along. And his along. T-shirt says, I wish it were colder. Yeah, but, right. So, well, all right. So the, here, here's, you know, and, and, you know, you said it, there's two things I want to address. The snow is not going to be an issue. That That is not. You, you said it right. You know, a little snow on the ball, it feels good. The referees don't just let it sit there and accumulate inches on top of it, and then you go set hut and grab the ball, right? I mean, they do a good job of to where, yeah, it just gets a little moisture on it, so the ball gets sticky, and it feels good. The problem is the wind. That's the problem. That's the thing that what we all got to see. Tua's arm has looked weak the last two weeks. 
and he's been playing in San Francisco and in a dome in L.A. And now, and we saw two teams, to a degree, take away all the RPOs and the little screen passes to the receivers, and he had to throw the ball down the field, and where he went from the guy that we thought was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football to he's clearly the most least accurate quarterback in football the last two weeks. So that's where it's going to be. Did you say most least? Did you say I most think, least? I, I think I just yeah, did say most it. least. I did right, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and I did not yeah, intend to do that. But but yeah, so that's where I'm interested. And then again, we got a team last week who put a little blueprint down. I think for teams to go, hey, this is one way to kind of mess up their stuff here a little if you do what we did. And I, uh, I Buffalo, I think of course is already creative and smart. So they're going to be able to take away some of those things as well. So I am interested to see what the next answer is for Mike McDaniel off of that. And this is a huge test for Tua. It is. This is, this is why, you know, a big part of why the prior regime's not there because they didn't think he could win games like this in December. Go up to New England, go up to Miami, right? And, hey, and then as a team, yeah, you're trying to make them tougher and all that. But, like, I also want to go, damn, Miami, you knew you were going to go play this game this week and you put heaters on the sidelines against the Chargers in L.A.? Like, it was 50 degrees? That affected you? That you had to put heaters on the field in L.A.? Because it got to 54 degrees? I mean, th- that makes me worry about this week. You know, because you kind of made it a thing last week when it wasn't even cold, and now it's it's going to be real freaking cold now. So you better be ready. They've gone from eight and three to eight and five, losing two of uh, the were their last two games, both on the road. The third road game is Saturday night at Buffalo. After that, they have the Packers on Christmas Day. That's the first of the triple header coming up next Sunday at the Patriots on New Year's Day, and then the Jets. Week 18 to wrap up the season. They got to turn something around here at some point. You said a couple of weeks ago, one of these teams that's currently, you know, flying sort of with the, the you know, the lead pack in the AFC, going to hit a rough spot and just fall out of the playoff picture altogether. And if the Dolphins don't turn it around, it's going to be them. Yeah, it, it could be. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely getting a little dicey here uh, as far as, you know, especially the way Tua and the offense have played the last week, the last two weeks. And I think it's especially Tua, but you know, the, the thing that's, it's, it's, they play some good defenses down the stretch here. Bills, Packers, Patriots, Jets. I mean, nothing's going to be easy against those defenses. So yeah, they're going to have to earn it to get in. You know, they're still dangerous. There's no doubt about that. I still, you know, I think they're a team that if they get in the AFC playoffs, they can make some noise and, and maybe upset a team or two because they're scary. I mean, they are as far as their, their talent on both sides of the ball. But this will be, this'll be a, a big test, just to the overall view of the Dolphins and their toughness and, and what they really are. Um, and I'll be, I'll be interested to see where this goes. I'm rooting for Dolphins Chiefs in the playoffs for the obvious reason. Tyreek Hill going against the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to see that at some point. Which, by the way, was a Christmas Day game in 1971. Still to this day, Chris, the longest game ever played in NFL history. Triple overtime between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, 1971, December 25. That's amazing. Yes. I didn't really I knew that I knew of that game. I don't think I realized it was on Christmas Day. I have seen like you know NFL films something on that game before, so I was aware of it, but I, I don't think I realized it was Christmas Day. That's a nice little Christmas gift for everybody that day. What's amazing is 
it used to be divisional round of the playoffs in late December. Now it's late January divisional round of the playoffs, but that was back when there was only 14 games and only two rounds of the playoffs before you went to the Super Bowl. We're going to take a break. We're going to look at some of the other Week 15 games with a grab bag when PFT Live continues right after this. get blown out it's easier to get over as opposed to lose a close one so we still have our 24-hour rule we still have the division ahead of us we know we have to play better and that's ahead of us so we're focusing on that Todd Bowles Buccaneers coach when asked whether and to what extent the team's confidence was shaken by the blowout loss to the 49ers and look from a fan's perspective it's always better to get blown out than to lose a late heartbreaker but Chris there's got to be guys in that Tampa Bay locker room that are thinking Oh, yeah, we got to scratch and claw to win the division, maybe with a below 500 record. And then what's going to happen? We we can't compete with the best teams in the conference. We just can't. No, no. I, it, I, that, that's what I, I think Todd Bowles needs to understand. And again, what he says publicly and privately may be two very different things. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. But you, you've, got to, you've got to restore your team's faith in itself after that that bludgeoning that they took at the hands of the 49ers. Yeah, agreed. That's, that's, I, to me, is definitely something that's real about this, Mike. Would agree with you there. Uh, like your base thought and, and like what Todd Bowles said is, I mean, I agree with you. You're, uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes easier to get over that, that blowout loss than the close game. But this time of the year, a team that's like been all over the place and hasn't played well, and like you said – you know, every time they've played a team that's quality, they've kind of been dominated. I mean, really. I mean, every time. So th- that, to me, that was a game where, I, I, you know, yeah, okay, you got blown out, and yeah, you get over it. But I also think it's a game where you go, wait, this, this isn't even the best team in the NFC, and we were so outclassed, it was embarrassing. I mean, we got blown out by a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL at quarterback, or never started before, I should say. Sorry. Played a few snaps the week before. And that More that. Yeah, I know more than a few, but that 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 to me is where it's a little different than your normal blowout. And you're at the end of the year where you're supposed to be getting better, and you know we're getting into our playoff form, and it it's, it hasn't looked that way. I mean, you you really should have lost the last three games. Come on, I mean, you had seven shamrocks up your ass against the New Orleans Saints and a referee who apparently went blind in the fourth quarter and he couldn't see. So, I mean, literally, I mean, it's like the NFL was like, nope, we don't want the Saints to win. We want to make sure the Bucks win this one. So they are not playing good football. <laughs> yeah, I know. And obviously, I'm going not, crazy. Not, I know. I know. Allegedly, allegedly, we don't want lawyer just, Mike yeah, Florian to have to have a new case on the on the table. But yeah, yeah, how would you not be worried? How would you not be worried if you're the Buccaneers and go, wait, the the, the 49ers just lined up and ran it down our throat last week. Like we knew they were going to run it, and they still just ran it down our throat. And that's where you got to be worried about the Bucks overall. So grab bag time. The Bengals nine and four going to Tampa Bay, where the Bucks are six and seven. Crystal ball. After this week ends, who will be in first place in the NFC South? With the Panthers hosting the Steelers, and the Panthers making a push, and the Panthers have already beaten the Buccaneers. Who's in first place after this? Weekends. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. I, I'm, I'm the Buccaneers. I'm I'm picking them to lose. I mean, they're they're going to lose to the Bengals this weekend. All right, so let's just throw that out there right there. I mean, uh, I'll, a spoiler for our picks podcast. I'm taking Joe Burrow and the Bengals over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, but you know the other game's the one that is is, is dicey. 
you know, Carolina definitely playing better ball. You know, not much of a passing game, running game very good. Defense, Wilkes is like simplified things and playing some schemes that make more sense for them, and it's allowed them to play fast, and they're, the guys that we've talked about that are talented on there are really popping up that way. But, damn, it's the, the Steelers, oh, gosh, Mike. They, they love to play that kind of game right there. And I really feel like if Kenny Pickett didn't get hurt last week, they're going to win the game. If Trubisky just doesn't throw the dumb interceptions, they're out playing the Ravens. So I guess I'm still going to go with the Bucks because I'm kind of feeling like the, the Steelers will win one of those that ugly football game that you talk about so much. So you've tipped your hand twice now. I, I don't know what to, to do. It's a grab bag, and you're asking me right, crystal ball, and what the hell know, am I supposed I to do? My crystal ball I says I can't freaking talk about it because I got a podcast after this. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the bottom line is the Buccaneers are going to have their hands full against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think that blowout leaves a mark. And, and they still think, I believe, they can lose this one and still win the division. They can pull it together late. I I, d- I feel like that's been the vibe with the Buccaneers all year long. Yeah, exactly. They only focus when they feel like they absolutely positively have to. And they don't feel like they have to absolutely positively focus this week. And in comes a better team, and they can lose this one and still pull it together and win the division. And people would still think that at the end of the day, they will. And of the teams in the NFC South, I think they're the best suited to win in the postseason. Yeah, I hear you there. Tom Brady has 47 career playoff games under his belt. Patriots 7-6. and six. Raiders 5-8. and eight. New England stayed out in Arizona this week after playing Monday night against the Cardinals. They're in Las Vegas on Sunday, fill in the blank. Josh McDaniels, coach of the Raiders, can top his former team and mentor Bill Belichick if the Raiders what, Chris? Well, it, it, I, I think the, the thing I would probably look at is if the Raiders can just stop the, the Patriots' run game. I think they're, they'll have a good chance to make things very interesting because we know that you know, that's just the first thought that comes to my head. But we know that the Patriots' pass game is not ultra-explosive. And they're not amazing pass-protecting team. And they got some pass rushers over there with the Raiders that are, are pretty damn good here. And I, I think that's probably the thing I look at. But, you know, McDaniels is going to understand the defensive scheme and how they're coached on that side of the ball. And I would think he can make life interesting as far as their offense versus the Patriots' defense. It's just the Raiders' defense, we know, is not super talented. And, uh, yeah, we've seen some teams kind of move them around at times. Yeah, I I just, you know, I don't understand the Raiders, and I'm not even going to try to understand the Raiders. Yeah. They win three in a row, and before that they lose to a coach who just showed up five days earlier, and after that they lose to a quarterback who showed up two days earlier. There's just these momentary lapses that take, down the whole operation like the defensive approach to the final drive last Thursday night like what the hell are they thinking I just feel like there's too many of those what the hell are they thinking moments by the Raiders four games this year where they have blown leads of 13 or more points tying three other teams as the only uh, teams who have ever done that so they, they say they've got four games left to do it again build a 13 point lead and blow it we'll see if they do it on Sunday against the New England Patriots but you know what the Patriots sense that that they're they don't have an easy stretch the rest of the way, but you know they build a little confidence coming out of that Monday night game, and they stay out there. They bond a little bit, and and it feels like a playoff game, you know. And it's got that that, right. that you know that Belichick, you know McDaniel's. It's you know we've seen that before. We've yeah. seen it with Matt Patricia who beat 
Belichick. So did McDaniel when he was Lions. in Denver. Yeah. I was there. That was huge. Right. That was that was the that was the they, they were, were were they wearing those funky old uniforms. Yes, we that were. Day? Yes, those brown God, and those yellow ugly. ugly things. Oh my right. God. No doubt. With and, vertical stripes on the socks. And here's here's the here's the key to the game, Mike. Here's the funniest thing about it. McDaniel, I mean, was always, I mean, nobody, Josh McDaniels, of course, always praises Bill Belichick and, you know, hey, we're not going to outthink Bill. Like, we're not going to outsmart him or do that. And all of a sudden, Thursday, um, he comes in and he's like, I think I got something here. And we, if you remember the game, we lined up in Wildcat like probably 30 times, 25 times during the football game because he knew that they would automatically check to another defense, and then Kyle Orton would come back and be the quarterback, move the Wildcat, no Sean Marino, back over to running back, and now we knew what coverage they were in because they had this automatic check they got to, and, and we gave them fits that day. And that was you know a great example of an ex-coach knowing you know the other team and finding that one thing that, oh, I know they're going to do this and using it against them, and we'll see if maybe one of these guys can do that to each other in this matchup. That was the Belichick adjustment to the 2008 game against the Dolphins when they got burned by Ronnie Brown and the Wildcat, 35-13, to 13, I think. Exactly was right. That exactly game. right. And that's what sparked the whole Wildcat. Yes. I mean, whole th- that that – for 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 four years, yes, it was Wildcat, and that 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 started the read option stuff. It was that one game. Yep, David Lee, right, kind of pulled that. The Dolphins were desperate. They had, they had worked on it a little bit in training camp, and they were like, "What the hell is this? Who's going to run this?" They didn't even know who was going to run it. Ronnie Brown's like, "Yeah, I can throw the ball." And uh, yeah, so that so McDaniel's was there. That was there. And then the next year was Den- yeah. he went to Denver, so it, it, yeah. he knew it was very fresh as far as the conversation and knowing what they were going to do the next time they saw Wildcat. And uh, yeah, that was uh, you know one of the one of those under the radar cool things about you know an NFL nuance and getting a victory there. Titans Chargers both are seven and six. Titans have lost, I think, three in a row. They lost three in a row. They've lost three in a row. They they haven't won since they beat the Packers that Thursday night a month ago. Take your pick. Who needs this one more, Tennessee or LA? Oh, I, I I guess I tend to go uh, in uh, LA here, just because Tennessee, of course, has like we talked about with the Bucks. They still have the divisional win aspect. You know, on their radar, and and of course they're in control of that. You know, it hurt a little last week that they lost to Jacksonville, but they do play them again, so you know they'll get another chance there. Where you know the Chargers are, they're in the cluster of like you know, the Jets, the Patriots themselves, the Miami Dolphins here, where you know they got to win to make sure they're they're not canceled out with some of these other football teams. So I think they're the more desperate team. I agree with you, but my God, the Titans at some point I know. Need to do something. I know, they need right? to get a win. Right. Because it is setting up. Remember, they're two games up for now yep. on Jacksonville. Yeah. But if it's a one-game spread, week 18, Jacksonville wins. They tie, and Jacksonville has the tiebreaker because they will have had yeah, the victory sweep at that point. And it's Chargers, Texans, the Titans should win that one. Thursday night, week 17, the last Thursday night game of the year is cowboys at the Titans, which yeah. should be a great game, right. a big test for Tennessee, and then it's that Week 18 game at Jacksonville. All right, uh, but so we agree. Chargers need it more. We need to take a break. Speaking of the Cowboys, Michael Parsons gives a little bulletin board material for a team they're chasing in the NFC East. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. 
As you may or may not know, I welcome emails from fans or haters or anyone. Florio at ProFootballTalk.com, and I'll probably just get 15 more now because I said that. But I like interacting. I like hearing what people think, regardless of whether or not it's an insult. So I want to share one that just came through oh, in the wow. last 10 or 15. This sounds like an insult with the, the grimacing on your face. George, George is asking me for a favor. George wants me to stop talking with my large hamburger helper hands. It's not an Italian thing. Work on improving your vocabulary, and you will not have to use your hands to accentuate your thoughts. I would greatly appreciate it. Love your show. Hey, well, George. George. Hey, hey, forget George. about it. Hey. George. George. <laughs> it is an Italian hey, thing. Kiss and it my has nothing butt, to do with vocabulary. Hey. It's the way human beings communicate. And if I were to use a certain finger on either of my two hands right now, you know which one it would be, George. I'm having fun, George. So anyway, thank you. Uh, but no, that's good. Do, do you really think, does anyone, th- I mean, I, that's fine. I appreciate your feedback. Do me a favor and don't talk with your hands anymore. Like, okay, like, what is that? It's but hard. Thank you, George. It's hard. Thank especially you. when, you know, especially when we have topics that, you know, again, we're not. We don't always know where they're gonna go. We we see some of these things, like the last segment. We knew we were gonna have that type of segment, but we didn't know the exact questions until we started it. And that's the cool thing about our show. We kind of react. So you're coming up with sometimes thoughts and on on the fly, and that makes your hands move. <laughs> At least it does for me. It's just part of yeah. And why is it? Why am I singled out? I'm not the one with I, I the was, giant. I thought you were going to say me, right? I know. I know. Oven mitt hands. That's you. <laughs> How okay. dare you? Uh, Jerry Jones, I don't know whether or not he talks with his hands. He talks with his wallet. I know that. Here's Jerry Jones at the owners' meeting yesterday talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Great players make great plays. Great players make exceptional plays. And so I hope we advance here where a handful of great plays, if I may be on the could be the difference in the world championship. Does that have to happen sooner, though, to get him in and start the rehab process? He's at a level, but I don't have an exact exact quantifying way to say when he's, uh, he is working in the but uh, sooner rather later. Yes. Uh, you need, uh, could you need to Stand, get by. Stand by. Stand by. Stand by. How All soon right, do you want a decision? How soon would you like to have a decision? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Yep. Stand by. Yep. <laughs> Stand by. I was having... I was having a hard time hearing that with all the background noise, hard. but bottom line is stand by, yeah. stand by. Great players make great plays, and they know that one guy can make that play that can make a difference between getting to the Super Bowl or not, winning the Super Bowl or not. Now, I think they're far better advised to focus on getting back to the NFC Championship for the first time since 1995, and I don't know how much – sorry, George – I don't know how much <laughs> – Odell Beckham Jr. is going to help them get to the NFC Championship because I don't know what he's going to do. You know, so the whole thing's weird. Everything about it's weird. They've signed T.Y. Hilton, but they haven't closed the door on OBJ. The Bills, they've added Cole Beasley. Brandon Bean, the GM of the team, said yesterday they haven't closed the door on OBJ. They're was reporting oh that's coming up by the way but before i get to that there was reporting yesterday that odo beckham jr even gonna play this year yeah. so who the hell knows what's going on right. here's brandon bean as i as i look right in front of my face and mention the bills <laughs> brandon bean on the possibility of adding odo beckham 
But we haven't closed any doors. We had a good visit with him, and that's probably the extent of it. D- signing Cole to the you know the practice squad doesn't mean we would rule anything out. Um, again, we're just kind of going to move forward with who the guys we got right now, though. See, I interpret that as we're not going to close the door because we may need him for injury reasons, right? Right now, no room at the end. Somebody gets injured, we, we may have a need. So why, why, why piss the guy off? Why say we've moved on from Odell Beckham Jr.? Because come Sunday morning after they play their Saturday night game, they may say, we need a receiver. Who are we going to get? Let's bring in Odell Beckham Jr. So yeah, yeah. I, st- I think as a practical matter, they don't have a spot for him now. They got four guys on the roster, four guys on the practice squad uh, at, at receiver. But if somebody would get injured on either of the two, roster or practice squad, then maybe there's a need for Odo Beckham Jr. That's how I interpret what Brandon Bean had to say. Yeah, it, 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 it seemed I'm, – I'm with you there. I don't think I interpret it too differently as well. I, I do think it was kind of you know eye-opening a little bit with the Cole Beasley signing there. I do. I, th- I think it, one is uh, I, Buffalo has to be concerned, you know. I, I, I mean, they have to be a little bit. Again, we've gotten into the part of the year where you've lost Von Miller, all right? I know that. The defense is better than the last few years. You know, Is it great, great, dominant like the Eagles or the 49ers? No. No, it's a top 10-ish type defense. But we're getting into, you know, it's just a little too much all on Josh Allen all the time with everything. And that that's where – and then you watch the last four or five weeks and, you know – Nobody can really get open. Yeah, they devise a few ways for Isaiah McKenzie to run a shallow cross on a pick play and have some things for him. But other than Stefan Diggs, they don't have anybody else that can get open. They're, they have to be scared a little bit. With the way their offense has looked the last few weeks where you know even when it's working good, it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's an amazing throw or that was an amazing scramble or that was an amazing scramble then set up the throw. It's not like it's a well-oiled machine, and I think that's a little scary when you talk about, hey, we want to go to the Super Bowl and win it this year. Uh, they're, 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 to me, again, that we've discussed it a lot, or just they're missing one element, of, another element of their offense that scares defenses, and then I just worry about that for them. I alluded to this earlier, the reporting from ESPN, that there are teams that believe that Beckham's not going to play at all this year. He's just going to sign. And the way the report was couched in March, well, he won't have to wait until March because he's not a traditional unrestricted free agent. He's unrestricted right now. He's available right now. He can sign whenever, wherever, however he wants. My concern is he thinks that when he gets to the offseason, somebody's going to give him that $20 million a year that he covets. He ain't getting it until he shows he can play. Yeah. Nobody – and this is another situation where you got a guy who, who is either getting bad advice or is ignoring the good advice he's getting. You're not going to get big money until you come back and prove you can play. Period. Is it fair? No. Because he did enough last year to show what he can do. But the torn ACL threw it all haywire. He's got to reestablish himself before he gets paid. He's going to be 31 next season. He's got to do something to show that he can get it done before he gets the money that he's looking for, or he's going to end up waiting all offseason and then deciding, I'll wait for a contender to emerge and sign during the 2023 season. That's where this may be heading until he acknowledges, i got to take what I can get and go play football He's not going to get what it is that he's looking for. All right. 
Um, we're always looking for a good story, looking for something a little juicy, a little a little bulletin board material. Not that they have bulletin boards anywhere anymore. Here's Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, talking about Jalen Hurts as a league MVP with Hurts' response on the back end. And remember, they play in just nine days. Is it Hurts or the team? <sighs> I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I um, mean, Miles Sanders. They scheme that they they scheme that they have. O line. Yeah. I mean, bro, bro like, it, like, and <laughs> hey, this Eagles Cowboys, the Eagles Cowboy coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I. I just like. I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like, I can't. I, I like. I like when things are off. I. I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. Like yeah, you're right. They got. They got a great team, great defense. But everyone. Everyone has their own opinions. Like, but they got so. Jalen Hurts is. He's good. Michael Parsons had some comments about your success and whether it was you know more attributed to yourself or or team and, and scheme. To, to get your thoughts on that. We're worried about the Bears right now. That's <laughs> we'll be about the Cowboys soon, though. <laughs> L- listen, I-, I I love that Micah Parsons said what he said, and I hate what Micah Parsons said what he said. Why? What what benefit to your team? This is putting yourself above your team, Chris. What benefit to the Dallas Cowboys flows from? And he can't say he didn't know he was talking into a microphone because he was holding the damn thing with a cord on it, old school style. What benefit does your team derive from you saying anything that could get Jalen Hurts a little extra motivated, a little extra driven, a little extra riled up where you're getting ready for a critical late season game against them? It's great content. It's entertaining. But don't – that is a selfish move by Micah Parsons. He can – can, and, and I love the guy as a player. And and if he he's still a young guy, it's only his second year in the NFL, and it's fun. See, people are like, "Oh, why why are you complaining about it? You hate fun." No, I I hate a guy shooting his his team in the foot by gratuitously giving someone else extra fodder to come out and kick our asses. I, I why are you? What's the what's the benefit? What's cost benefit? What's the benefit of yeah. saying what he said? I, Mike, I'm, I hear you, Mike. I, I, I hear you. He's, he's playing a dangerous game there I mean, for all the reasons you're talking about. Hey, for social media, uh, you know, there the three guys that you got to worry about when you talk negatively about on social media, and it's Jalen Hurts is one of them, Tua and Brady. If you talk bad about them, their their mafias come after you. So he's playing a dangerous game from from both angles there, and and I, your point is real, definitely. And I'm I'm not sure you know why you say that. I will say it's it's kind of the Cowboys brand though a little bit, right? They they're one of those teams that they I don't you know I don't know if they care. It's a little bit of the, like a renegade, and I, there's a part of me that in, in some ways they're the one team or or, or hype it up. Let's go. That's yeah, what I mean. It, I think they're us. one Let's of the te- that. See that I think they're kind of that team, right? Like the Texans game last week was boring. There's nothing to talk about. They they want to they, they they're a team that's kind of about momentum and ebbs and flows and I sometimes think they're better when oh, you can't beat the Eagles with Cooper Rush and going in there and all of a sudden it's whoa, it's 23 to 17 and he turned the ball over three straight drives and we're right here in this, 
right? I, I don't know. I know. And the normal every team thought, I go, you know, whoa, you're playing with fire, right? But the Dallas Cowboys, I, you know, in some ways, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're a team that kind of like relishes that, right? But I will say this. I think what Michael Parsons saying is, I mean, I think there's a lot of people in football that have that thought. That's why Tua, I mean, that's why Hertz would not be my MVP vote for sure. I mean, he explained it right. I mean, it's an incredible system that that coach has never even ran before, but they had to run it because they couldn't run their system with Jalen Hurts. It's the best offensive line in football. It's the best defensive line in football. I mean, it's if it's not for the 49ers, they're the best defense in football. It's the best rushing attack in football. It's the arguably the best duo at receiver, not named Waddle and Tyree Kill in football. And it, it's not that far off from them. It's a really good tight end in Dallas Goddard when he's out there. So this is one of those where I feel like it's setting up where it's just like the quarterback of the best teams going to win the MVP. And I want to go, there's just no way he's more valuable to his team than Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen. Like, no way. Those teams are – they're not the same teams if they don't have them at quarterback. Where I'd go, if you put Gardner Minshew in the Eagles, they'd still be really damn good. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And that's where, you know, I don't, I don't totally disagree with, you know, some of Micah Parsons' thoughts there. And I think Micah Parsons' fundamental point is right. why is the MVP award a default – quarterback exactly of one of the two best exactly teams. why isn't it me i mean that's the that's the rest of it why am i not considered an mvp candidate why do defensive guys not get into that mix why is it always quarterback from one of the best teams in either conference i don't get it and that point would have been better articulated because it yeah would have less avoided personal right stepping in right you know a pile of what Eagles leave behind and may drop on your head in nine days when the Cowboys and the Eagles get together on Christmas Eve. Let's take a break. Feats of strength and best throws. I don't think we've done this before, and if we have, Whoa. I can't remember. I don't remember best that. Best throws from week 14. We'll do those next here on PFT Live. It is what it is. I don't really pay attention to it. He's Tom and I'm Joe. I really just think that, you know, I play I play the game my own way. Uh, you know, I kind of have a little bit of everybody. Uh, you know, there's not, I wouldn't say there's, you know, one thing I do the best, but I would say that I do everything with the best of them. You know, there's... I wouldn't say I really have a, a glaring weakness. And so you know, I, I like to be my own player, my own person. I would say that's why. Wow. Bengals-Bucks, the big 425 p.m. Eastern game on Sunday. Somehow they're letting the Bucks back into that window well after said. what happened last well, week. Because of that God. guy right there. That's right. Joe Burrow, MVP candidate, especially if the Bengals end up stealing the one seed Man. in the AFC and they still can't. Comes down to week 17, Bills at Bengals, the last Monday night football game of the year. That's going to determine the one seed, whether it's the Bills, the Bengals, or the Chiefs. It's that game. All right. I feel like he's more games. Joe Montana, right? I think he's like the evolution of Joe Montana more than I look at as Tom Brady because he's got mobility. You know, that, that's the thing that it's it's like we, we heard uh, uh, Frank Clark or Chris Jones talk about it after that game. And he's a bigger guy than people realize. And then his movement in the pocket 
is like a Brady, but he can escape the pocket and run for 10, 15, 20 yards too. I thought that was a really good, honest assessment by him. There's maybe no one area you look at to go, oh, he's definitely the best at that. But he's like top three in every category you can look at, in my opinion. And that's where he's, you know, he is special. There's no glaring weakness to Joe Burrow. He said it right. And the team gets getting uh, keeps getting better that's and right. better. All right, uh, clock keeps ticking toward dick, the dick, end dick, of the dick, show. Dick, Let's dick. get to it. Week 15 matchup draft, go. Well, I, I'm going to go right away to, like, Tua versus the elements. That, that's Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's the Buffalo defense and all of those things as well, but Tua has not looked good. This is a huge matchup for both teams, and it's a chance for him to answer questions of, can he throw the ball through the elements in the AFC East in this time of the year? Which, you know, more than likely you're going to have to do if you want to win this division. Uh, so that's something I'm, I'm interested to see. Just that game Saturday night. Man, Mike, we get to sit on the couch and have another night of standalone football games. I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, three games on Saturday, uh, start to finish. They, they, they could be very interesting games, and they are relevant games to the playoff chases. Uh-huh. All right, I'm going to go. We already talked about this one. Yeah. Patriots, Raiders, Belichick, McDaniels, right? Can McDaniels, does he have some trick up his sleeve? Like what you had mentioned earlier, he thought of something as the Broncos were getting ready to play the Patriots back in 2010. Is there something that McDaniels comes up with to take down Belichick, who's kept his team in Arizona all week after beating the Cardinals on Monday night? So that chess match between two masters is going to be critical. And you've got those offensive issues with the Patriots that are still lingering with McDaniels not there. Yeah, that is. It's an interesting one for sure. It is. You know, it's, it's personal history, and the Raiders want to right this ship after that embarrassing loss, try to end the season on a good positive note. And, of course, the, the Patriots end this thing still. So uh, I hear you there. I, I, I think the, the next one that jumps out to me is the, the Chargers run defense or Chargers D-line versus Derrick Henry and the rushing attack of the Titans. Uh, that, that is, I mean, we know it's a huge football game. We discussed it earlier. Uh, playoff implications. Titans trying to hang on to the AFC South. Chargers in the mix with a bunch of teams there. Uh, Miami kind of dropped the ball last week, I think, being a little too pass-happy. This is one of the worst-run defenses in football. And we just saw Derrick Henry had 100 yards you know, in the first quarter last week. So that is going to be the, the matchup there. And if Derrick Henry can run the ball consistently good and they can chew up clock and do all that, well, they'll make it hard on Herbert and company to, to, to win the football game. I'm, I'm interested to see that one. I'm going to another one of the Saturday games. Ravens-Browns, Deshaun Watson against the Ravens defense. We have seen him struggle through his first two games back. They beat the Texans before they lost in kind of sluggish and ugly fashion to the Bengals. But Deshaun Watson and his contract are the reason why the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson signed. So this is an opportunity for John <laughs> yeah. Harbaugh and company to take out some frustration on the guy who has driven the wedge between the team and Lamar Jackson. So Deshaun Watson, the Ravens have an extra reason to be salty Jimmy when they Haslam come to town on Saturday. Biscotti, Steve Biscotti, excuse me, right? That might, that might be the matchup. He might have to go over there and go, "What the f were you thinking, giving him that deal?" <laughs> he already has. He probably already has many times. Let's take a break. Round three of the matchup draft right after this.
All right, final round of the matchup draft. Chris, week 15, go. Okay, um, what was the one I was going to go to here? I totally got caught off base here and forgot what I was going to choose. How about oh, that? Oh, I'm sorry. I got it. I got it. My bad. Is the um, I'm just going to go units here because, I mean, it, the number four offense versus the number three defense in football is going against each other. And who would have ever thought it would be the Lions versus the Jets to hold those two, you know, titles right there? The Jets' defense, I mean, it's as aggressive and fast and crazy as, as any in football. And that, that Lions' offense is, is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I mean, we talked about Goff. Yeah, he's been good. Ben Johnson, what he's doing on that side of the ball is great. You know, they have a really good offensive line. They got three or four receivers who all can win versus man-to-man coverage. And they, Mike, they got great ways of just tying plays together and sequencing and messing with, you know, the, the defense's head like we talk about, that offensive coordinators are so good. Hey, it's a toss sweep. Hey, it's another toss sweep. Oh, hey, it's the fake toss sweep play action. Oh, it's, hey, fake the toss sweep. Oh, he went the other way and we pitched it that way. And it's just, he's, he's really great at that type of stuff. So I'm excited to see that matchup right there. I'm going to go to the Saturday game we've yet to discuss, the Colts and the Vikings. The Vikings' defense is under siege right now. Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, has had calls for him to be fired or at least removed from the ability to call the plays. He met with reporters yesterday. He expressed some optimism that their pass rush is going to improve. Zadarius Smith has had a knee problem. That is now resolved. He's healthy. If, and they've got the perfect guy to chase around. The relatively immobile Matt Ryan, who continues to be the quarterback in the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. So if this defense is ever going to build a little confidence going into the stretch run, this is the quarterback against whom to build it. They yes. can get after him with Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith and try to get after him without blitzing. They've been trying to do a lot of four-man pressure. They blitzed a lot last week, and they got burned by Jared Goff. So they better be careful this week, and they better hope they can get home with just their main uh wall of defensive right. linemen, Chris. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, that's that's always a positive thing. And, and you know, to, a little to what you're saying there, that, that would be the thing I would look at with Minnesota. It's just, you know, there's got to be a little bit more of a change-up. It, it's very like, hey, they get you get to the, the line of scrimmage and the quarterbacks, oh, I know what coverage they're in, I know what defense they're in. You know, they need to take, to me, a few more calculated risks and, you know, change things up a little bit. That would be the one thing that – you know, when the Bills and the Eagles were tearing them up in the first half of games, it was very simple. And then when they needed to come back, they took some calculated chances on certain, certain downs, and that gave them a chance to come back in some of those games. So uh, that would be my assessment. But you're right. This is going to be – I think it could be a, a close game in some ways, depending on that defense. Colts have been pretty good, even though they're 1-3 and three with Jeff Saturday. We are out of time. See you Friday morning. Picks podcast coming later today. Have a good one. See ya. See ya.